Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Where's the guru? Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Election Day in America. Get up, go vote. Get a little sticker. Feel good about yourself. I already got my sticker. We're American. I'm all good. I got my <laughs> sticker. Uh, I was thinking about this driving in. So I've got one, too. I put it on my uh, my pedal board with my guitar. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, I, I wanted to share this memory because I used to love this day back in the day uh, when I actually worked in newspapers mm-hmm. and when I actually worked in a newsroom. So, this would be pretty much, you know, during the Chicago Sun-Times era. Okay. So, what we would do constantly as young reporters is we would constantly work on deadline constantly every night high school scores coming in college scores every night on deadline and the newsroom would always look down on us because we were the sports people Nothing Nothing important happens there. Oh, you're the in the toy, toy department. department. Yeah. And yet those people, the newsroom people, never worked deadline. They worked 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. They had weekends off. Their jobs were just like normal jobs. Elections would roll around, and those yo-yos would have to come in and work on deadline. And, oh, did I love seeing the shoe on the other foot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did I love They were basket cases trying to put out a paper on deadline. And yet those same people when they ran into you and they initiated conversation. What was that conversation about? <laughs> oh, 190% yeah. of the time, oh, yeah. it was about sports. Always. Yeah, yeah, always. So I always loved Election Day because it was always great watching newsroom people have to actually you yeah. know, work under pressure. Yeah, <laughs> It is a good day to be smug. <laughs> right, exactly. Welcome exactly. to our world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, we have got what? We can say something, Jarrett? No. Okay. Start the show, he Jarrett. Was. <laughs> Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, Cardinals still reeling from their 31-21 loss to the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Their fourth loss in the last five games. Anyone hoping for or speculating that Cardinals uh, might be making a coaching change? Yeah. That's not happening. Cliff Kingsbury held his weekly press conference, sat down with Wolf and Luke for his weekly radio interview here on Arizona Sports, and didn't have great news on the patchwork offensive line, saying he doesn't know if Rodney Hudson will be back. He's missed the last five games. He did share that Will Hernandez, who suffered a pectoral injury Sunday, won't play against the Rams. Backup Max Garcia's day-to-day. Justin Pugh remains on injured reserve. And oh yeah, there was that report from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who I'm guessing had a shirt on uh, when he put the report out. How about it? Uh, safety Buda Baker out because of a high ankle sprain. And the hope is that he could return for Week 11 in the San Francisco game in Mexico City or the Cardinals' Week 12 
12 home game against the Chargers. Yeah. So, as they say, everything coming up roses well, for the Cardinals. Yeah, and listen, and this is, a, you know this as well as I do. I'm not saying this is happening here, but when a football team loses faith in leadership, when it loses faith in its direction, when it realizes we are going nowhere, you get a lot of guys in the training room. You get a lot of guys mm-hmm. who start taking care of themselves and planning ahead because they're not going to go and risk life and limb for a lost cause. Now, I'd say that's what's happening here. And but what? I am saying that don't expect don't expect the injury issues to get better for this football no. team. And don't expect guys chomping at the bit to get out of the trainer's room. Yeah. You know, oh, I said four, four to six weeks. Ah, this thing's lingering Oh, a my hammy. <laughs> it's broken. It's tweaking. Uh, Kingsbury also again shot down the suggestion that he'll give up play calling duty saying, quote, he likes where things are headed. <laughs> there was a coach he didn't, firing. He didn't, he didn't say that, right? I, that, yeah. that was all made up, wasn't it? He he actually did not say we like where we're headed. I think he did. He did. <laughs> no, I know he did. I'm being facetious. <laughs> this whole season is a fever dream, it's, Beck. It's it more, is. None of it's real. It's more believable that he never said that he would ever consider giving up to it. That's that's, that's the quote true. that seems now ridiculous. There was a coach firing in the NFL on Monday. The Indianapolis Colts said goodbye to Frank Reich after a disappointing three, five, and one start to the season. Former Colts center and current, at least until yesterday, ESPN analyst Jeff Saturday takes over on an interim basis, which is interesting because Saturday has zero coaching experience on the college or pro level. But take it from us in Arizona, folks in Indianapolis. Anytime you pluck an ESPN analyst and plop him into a coaching job, it works out famously. <laughs> uh, Reich went 40-33-1 as Indy's coach and uh, the, took the Colts to the playoffs twice in his first four seasons and reversed. Very close last year before that collapse. Well, yes. This is also, though, if you wanted to build an argument why it would be prudent for the Cardinals to make a move now rather than later, because you don't have any restrictions with the interim head coaching tag. You don't have to go through um, loopholes. You don't have to go through Rooney rule restrictions. You can take a chance on a guy and see what you have and then start your process. Should I mean, uh, there's a lot of people talking about that particular subject today. Should an interim coaching hire? be subject to the same process? I, I don't. I, I think in a perfect world you could make that case, but a lot of times when you fire a head coach, it's it's because things are going really bad. Yes. And you need to appoint somebody immediately. Interestingly enough, there are two coaches on the Colts staff with prior NFL head coaching experience, uh-huh. and there is a number of African-American coaches on the Colts staff. Yeah. I'm just saying. No, they've no, they've got to be thinking, hey, what the hell? Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying they're not. This guy was eating pancakes next to Mike Greenberg yesterday, <laughs> and now he's our coach. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens won their third straight. They beat the Saints 27-13 on Monday Night Football in New Orleans to cap Week 9. Kenyon Drake, remember him? 93 yards, two touchdowns on the ground for the Ravens. Uh, not a whole lot went well for the Phoenix Suns in Philadelphia last night during a 100-88 loss to the 76ers. Chris Paul left the game with heel soreness in the second quarter. Suns had no answer for Joel Embiid, who was back after missing three games with an illness. Embiid at 33 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and countless flails at the basket, getting to the free throw line where he shot 16 times. But it was George Niang, the pudgy assassin, as I have coined him, who really killed the Suns with seven three-pointers off the bench. 
it was a weird game, like I said. Devin Booker, 28 points in the loss. Played all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter, took one shot, and didn't score. Yeah, it was a very, very odd, uh, very, very odd offensive display from the team. There yes. was times last night when it looked like they were struggling to get off a good shot. Yes. It's sort of like they looked at the end of that playoff series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The Suns road trip uh-huh. continues Wednesday night in Minnesota against the T-Wolves. How about last night's NBA schedule? 15 games. Every team played because there's no games tonight because of Election Day, like I said. Um, they staggered every start time. 15 minutes. And they weren't joking around. I turned that game on at like 7 after the hour. Mm-hmm. They were already up and down the court a few times. So uh, it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that everything resumes on uh, Wednesday for the NBA. Speaking of road trips, the Coyotes' epic 14-gamer continues tonight in Buffalo against the Sabres. Their month-long journey started Saturday with a 3-2 win over the Capitals. Tonight's game gets underway at 5 with pregame coverage starting at 4.30 on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. College basketball got started around the country last night involving uh, four Division I teams from Arizona. ASU overcame a late seven-point deficit to beat Tarleton State 62-59. Frankie Collins at 21 points for the Devils. 17th-ranked Arizona crushed Nichols State 117-75. They shot almost 72% from the floor. GCU shook off a horrible first half to rally and beat Montana State 60-54. And NAU went on the road to take on Michigan State in East Lansing, and they lost uh, 73-55. Women's hoops, the Natasha Adair coaching era started at ASU, 69-68 Sun Devils win over NAU. Uh, Major League Baseball announced its finalists for the major season awards. D-backs right-hander Zach Gallen not among the three finalists for the NL Cy Young Award. Those finalists are Miami Sandy Alcantara, Max Fried of the Braves, and Dodgers lefty Julio Arias. Gallen posted a 254 ERA and 184 innings, struck out 192, led the National League in whip, and has great hair. In addition to setting a new D-backs record with a 44 and a third inning scoreless streak. But no hardware for him coming. Um, the Players Association in baseball announced Monday that uh, right-handed pitcher Zach Davies resolved his mutual option with the D-backs. He'll become a free agent. One of ten players to enter free agency after resolving mutual options. He joined some big names, too. Boston Xander Bogarts, Anthony Rizzo of the Yankees, Carlos Correa of the Twins, Jacob deGrom and Taiwan Walker of the Mets, uh, Carlos Rodon of uh, the San Francisco Giants, and Nelson Cruz of the Nationals. And brace yourself for this baseball story, Bick. The National Baseball Hall of Fame has released the eight-player ballot that will be considered by the Contemporary Baseball Era Players Committee for election as part of the Hall of Fame class of 2023. A lot of reactionary names on this list. Uh Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Don Mattingly, Fred McGriff, Dale Murphy, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling all on the ballot. Yeah, that's uh, that's a controversial ballot, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Go Don Mattingly. Uh, the committee will meet December 4th, and voting re- results will be announced later that well, night. Well, this is this is the best route for a lot of these guys. It is. You know, because if you're going up against, if, if a portion of the media voters have that bias or that mindset that I am not voting in a PED user, mm-hmm. then you're, that's that's a bridge they're never going to cross. The contemporary committee, you might yep. say. Yep. He, yep. These guys are getting in. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. There you go. There's your splash for Tuesday, November 8th, Election Day. Coming up, whew, it just keeps on raining for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata. Mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. I am not. No, I, I I like where we're heading. I know uh, yesterday we had some, um, you know, some of those errors that we can't have. But I, I think uh, with some of these pieces back, I think we have a chance to, to make a little run. Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, yesterday sitting down with Wolf and Luke, asked the question: Have you given more thought to who's going to do the play calling duties? He is not. Mm-hmm. And again, I like where we're heading. Yeah, that's the, when I heard that yesterday. I just I I just rolled my eyes. But but again, again, this is I. I think think that nobody should be surprised. What he is saying is very consistent to what he says every week, unfortunately, about the other team executing and how I admire the other day. We, we've, everyone's heard all of that. Um, I, I don't know how you could feel good about where this team is heading, uh, given, given their utter regression on offense, given their failure to integrate new pieces, and their current injury status. And now going into a stretch of games against the uh, the Rams team that's going to be very, very desperate. They're, so they're going to be as desperate if the Cardinals are even desperate anymore as them. And then you've got the 49ers. And then who's the next game after that? Chargers. Chargers. That's right. Mm-hmm. Then it's a bye then week. Then it's the bye week. Then it's a bye week. So that's that's kind of the window that a lot of people are looking at. Cliff Kingsbury is safe now. But at that bye week, would that be a time to make a change? Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe maybe they're going to roll this thing through the end of the season uh, for better or for worse, which would, uh, you know, kind of lead a head coach to kind of say, no, I'm not giving up play calling duties. No, we're, we're just going to – Bernsey had a great, great, great analogy about it. It's like putting the needle on the record all over again every single time and expecting it to sound different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, didn't when, that answer, when it's warped, it's going to skip in the same place every time. Didn't that answer make you think that his answer a few weeks ago was total nonsense? Yeah. Like he never meant it to begin with. He no. was never considering. He never you brought can, it up. He was asked about it. Would you consider doing it? And his response at the time was, yeah, I would consider anything to win. But Bick is right. You look at the way the schedule lays out. Week 13 by after the Chargers game. He's got three games to get this right yeah. or else it's real trouble. I'm not yeah. saying anything happens at that point. My belief is if this thing continues to head south, there will be a change at the end of the year. I don't think they'll do it that late in the season because what does it accomplish at that point? But yeah. Cliff Kingsbury's got to see the writing on the wall. And they're playing the Rams this week, who, by mm-hmm. the way, are terrible. But they acknowledge they're terrible. They're the defending Super Bowl champions. And here's Sean McVay, who is, you know, dominated offensively at times in this league. Certainly has dominated them head-to-head matchup against Cliff Kingsbury in the matching of those wits. But he's like, yeah, we got to change it all. Changes have to be made. Adjustments have to be made. Um, we can't continue to go on like this. And, um, you know, what that looks like, I don't necessarily have the exact answers right now. Um, you know, and what I don't want to have anything be misunderstood is that I'm not in this with those guys. I'm a big part of this. I have to do better. Um, we're going to stay connected throughout this, but we do have to be able to look inward and, and figure out what are some of the solutions, changes, adjustments, different things that we have to do to be able to get different results and different production from our offense. These are two franchises mm-hmm. right now with very similar problems on why the offense is not clicking. And very similar records. Yes, the offensive lines of both are uh, a shambles right now. The Rams have dealt with it all year. And again, Sean McVay offered nothing concrete there. But just the acknowledgement of things have to change yeah. is reassuring. 
Yeah. Other than I like where we're headed. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so that is, and and again, I think when you watch when you watch a lot of the stuff that that goes on on the field, you realize there is no evolution. No. It's it's and that's what's frightening. And, and I'm real curious to see internally what is what is what is the emotional residue of this loss to Seattle because you know at at three and six, as I said, football players they know the deal and they they know how uphill this looks for a team that you know has one first quarter touchdown all year long and and so how they respond to this is going to be fascinating will they play like a desperate team on Sunday that's why i think this Buda baker injury hurts so much cuz he's he's one of the guys that you know regardless of circumstance he's going to play with his hair on fire Absolutely. and so he's and because he does that it, it holds other guys accountable to do the same. And, and Buddha wasn't perfect on Sunday in that loss to Seattle. There was a, a big missed tackle he had on a play. Uh, I think it was a missed tackle born of extreme effort. But I, you know, recently, especially, I mean, Buddha, since he's been here, you're like, wow, that guy plays really hard. His level of abandon that he plays with this year should be inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's not really inspiring that many people. But, how, I mean, how much. For, for a defense that has struggled, and you take away the emotional leader, and oh, by the way, arguably your best player on that side of the ball, probably mm-hmm. your best player on that side of the ball, this is not looking good. No, it's not. So so we'll see if this is a dead coach walking, and if this and if what Cliff Kingsbury is saying is just basically verbal gymnastics. Because mm-hmm. as you pointed out, near the end of the Steve Wilkes season, every press conference, every time, we, it was the same thing. It was just the same unfailing rhetoric because that's where a head coach goes when he knows he's toast. Uh-huh. Head coach knows when his team's not listening to him anymore. Yes. And there is and that, also knows yeah. when you don't have any answers to the issues that are plaguing your team. That's it. And if you don't if you don't give football players answers, they're not following you. And if you don't give a fan base answers, <laughs> well, they get pissed. Yeah, and and they they've remained pissed. This is yeah. I mean, this is this is going to be an uncomfortable time. This is a fascinating thing because tomorrow night's the unveiling of this hard knocks and and how it aligns with reality. It's going to be fascinating. I'm telling you, these knocks might be harder than ever before. I'm thinking. <laughs> what a seriously? I mean, if it's it's just isn't it stunning to. To, to think that this the doors to the world are, are the doors are opening to the world at a time of like peak dysfunction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure they'll look good hey. on camera. <laughs> oh, when there's a, a traffic accident and you drive by it, what are you doing? Yeah, everybody's rubbernecking. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's going to be a lot of rubbernecking watching this uh, on on HBO. Uh, by the way, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about the frustrated fan base. Our fans are passionate. We understand they want to win just like us, and um, that that comes with the profession. Our guys are professionals, and they know you got to show up and, and do your job regardless of circumstance and do it at a high level. And, and that's been their focus. We we got a great locker room that understands where we're at and where we want to go, and um, you know they'll just get back to work. Yep. Needles on the record. Yeah. It'll be interesting because the the hard knocks is joining in progress, you know what I mean? Like mid-season. Usually the hard knocks begin with like backstories of all the players and the setup of the teams introducing yeah. everything. They're they're jumping right in to to the chaos as you were saying. That's why this is so fascinating. You're right. I mean, every hard knocks training camp edition has started with that clean slate feel like oh this team was maybe good last year but Mm -hmm. they've got new players or this team has got a new coach and they're Uh rebuilding and they're trying to get to back to their past glory Jarrett's right this is I mean they're they're diving into the deep end right here 
And again, and it's not it, like regular eight-foot pool. This I'm is like real a, curious. a 40-foot pool yeah. here. I would really love to know the boundaries of the editorial control. I really would love to know the parameters of exactly where that stops and where that and where it, where it begins. Yeah, you know what, Dan Bickley? I'm going to work on that for you. Good. Yeah. I'm going to do some asking. I right, like it. Like it. Uh, you'll get you'll get verbal answers, but what I want to see is like the DVD extras. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to ask the hard knock side, not the Cardinal there side. There you go. Yeah, I know they won't good. tell me anything. No, that's good. Oh, you the mean, deleted scenes. You mean the Cardinal side, too, that didn't mention Buda Baker's injury at all yesterday? Yeah, and then it that came side. out hours afterward. That, that side? Oh. Well, listen, again, it, it, I, I don't have to remind people of this, but for the first couple of years of this head coach's tenure in Arizona, there would literally be press conferences with Cliff Kingsbury, and he had no idea how to answer just fundamental questions about the team and protocol and what was happening. Yeah, and then there'd have to be like a clarification afterwards. You remember that? Mm-hmm. It's very true. And here we are. Year and four. here we are. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival back. featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, <laughs> The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and for your chance to win tickets. Coming up next, it was a loss for the Suns, but a lot of weirdness went into that loss. And we'll dive into the weirdness next. That's what we do on this show. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Auction Community Studios here on Arizona Sports the local sports leader. The opening jump ball won by the Suns. And Torrey Craig will fire a three and knock it down right away from the right wing and give the Suns the first three points of the evening. Yeah, that was uh, John Bloom on the call last night. That was Torrey Craig's three points uh, for the evening. That was the Suns' biggest lead of the evening. Uh, yeah. Went south quick. Yeah, and, didn't it, Yeah, didn't make another shot. Yeah. Uh, they lose and they score 88 points in the process. 188 to the Philadelphia 76ers who are playing without James Harden. Suns defense Defensively, continue to be really good. Um, 31 of 80, they held uh, Philadelphia to 38.8% shooting, but the Sixers got to the free throw line 31 times, and they just decided not to guard George Niang, who uh, got you know nuclear hot from three-point range. But yeah. other than that, the defense was there. Offensively, what a weird game. You lose Chris Paul in the middle of the game with what is being termed yeah. heel soreness. But let's have a Chris Paul discussion. Yeah, let's do that. He doesn't look like, I mean, a, a year ago at this time, we were all marveling again. Wow, Chris Paul at age 36 continues to to do these Chris Paul things. And I don't know if it looks more extreme because this is a conscious effort by the Suns to dial him back when he's on the court. He took one shot in 13 minutes. He had two assists. He, Yeah, the juice isn't there. And and I I said give him about what? What did I say, about 10 games? Mm-hmm. Well, it's been nine, it, uh, 10 games. It's been 10 games. Yeah. And I I can't shake the feeling that if this is if this is as good as it's going to get for Chris Paul, we've got some issues here. <laughs> yeah, uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and this heel injury, heel injuries with aging players can be really, they can be dicey. They can be nothing at all, or they can link. Yeah. Um, Sarah, I know you said in one of the updates that Chris Paul said um, it's precautionary, that it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, well, we'll see. Yeah. He, he downplays everything. He does. Absolutely. Yeah. There was a couple of strange, the, the, I mean, the reaction to it, you're like, uh-oh, what did he do? Right. Mm-hmm. There was a play prior to that where Chris Paul threw one of the worst passes you'll ever see him throw. And then I was actually encouraged because he sprinted back on defense oh, okay. and poked the ball away and created a turnover the other way. And I'm like, okay, maybe Chris Paul is back. 
I don't know. Again, we don't know what the plan is with with Chris Paul. Um, he has not been that engaged offensively as a no. scorer. His, no. his career, his shooting percentage is a career low. Uh, he's still dishing the ball well, and defensively he does what he does, but uh-huh. it just it doesn't look the same. He seems to be very cryptic and vague in almost every answer to every question, regardless of what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I... The quotes regarding his, his injury, his heel injury, uh-huh. trust me, if I could have played, I would have. Mm-hmm. And then he said, nah, I'm not that worried about it. Okay. Dwayne Rankin, um, who's out with the team in Philadelphia, he had a he had a really, I think, a real coherent observation, and that is, the more time he misses, the more serious this is, and that sounds obvious. But what he's saying is, is that if it's just heel soreness, he's probably going to be good to go against the Timberwolves. If he doesn't play that game, then you might start wondering, okay, what exactly is this injury? Mm-hmm. So, but that's I don't know. the vague nature of injuries but, too. But you're you, right. I mean, remember back in the day, did anybody miss games because of soreness? Of course not. No, of course not. So, um, yeah. So I, so I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to make of what I'm seeing. I, I don't want to get go over the cliff with this um, as no. it pertains to Chris Paul because I saw this. I've seen this the first couple of years with him. He just he slow rolls his way into a season, but at the same time, we're right about at that benchmark where you think it'd be kicking in. He's ten games into the season. Yes. So by now you are you have worked yourself back into shape, and he just doesn't look like he's got the 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 juice that he's had. It's bizarre. He is it's, not corn right now. No, he does not have the juice. And at a certain, <laughs> at a certain point, this is going to catch up to the Suns. Uh, lesser Chris Paul, no Cam Johnson, no Jay Crowder, or a replacement for him. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, there, these Damian Lees and Jock Landells and Tory Craig's of the world, if they have to play more and more and more, they're going to get exposed. Jock I would who? think you're right about that. Jock who? Jock Landale. who? Landale. Landale. Yeah. Thanks for stressing the wrong syllable, you got Jared. It. Uh, the other issues, yeah, Jarrett mentioned uh, Cam Johnson. Mm-hmm. Tory Craig started, played 22 minutes. Dario Saric is kind of back in the rotation. He only played three minutes last night. They got three points out of those guys. Yeah. Listen, Tory Craig's a guy that James Jones obviously likes a lot. Um, the idea of him being a bench player, I'm fine with. I do not think he, is, he can fill in... Um, with the starting line, the, the the good thing about Torrey Craig in the starting lineup is he does not need plays run from. He does not need shots. He plays better defense than Cam Johnson. You can't argue that. Mm-hmm. So there are things he brings to the job. Last night he came out, had the first open look, drains that three, then he's missed his next five, and I, that that worries me because the as Jared just said, that's that's sort of now you're you're now you're moving too many pieces out of the core of this team yes. and expecting the same kind of results. Well, and, and again, it's I just James Johnson. James Jones, he keeps acting like, like, don't worry, something's coming. You said something earlier. You don't want to jump off the cliff with this stuff. But you can look, you can project into the future with this cast of characters right now. If Chris Paul is out for an extended period of time for any injury, whether it's this or something else, Mm -hmm. you've got one true point guard on the roster, and that's Cameron Payne. Yeah. Um, there's been nothing to fortify that position. Are you going to go with Landry Shamit, who just flat out needs to be much better than he is? Yeah. For what he is making, for the investment the Suns have made in him, he has to be better no, offensively. No, there's no doubt, and he's not, and he hasn't been, and that worries me. And and 
stretches of last night's game really worried me. There were times when it just looked like the Suns were really void of scoring options yes. and really, really just impotent offensively, and that's that's that would not bode well for him. So, you know, I know James Jones' eyes and OZ, he, he, he he's earned a, a certain amount of trust, but there are reasons to be concerned with this team. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and let's get into the DeAndre Ayton issue. Oh, we man. had the same takeaway from Vinny. DeAndre Ayton last night, and and look, DeAndre Ayton got his money. DeAndre Ayton is not a rookie. He's not a young player. He's a veteran in this league in his fifth year, so the kid gloves come off. Yep. He was not good last night, Nope. and he played very, very, very passively once again. Very soft. Everything attempted lay-ins around the basket, no physicality. Um, you know, Joel Embiid got to the free throw line, how many, 16 times last 16. night? 16. 16, made made, 16 made, to two free yeah. throw differential. See, you can't have that. And and Joel Embiid was whining a lot last night, and it's I I really thought he had gotten most of that out of his no. out of his game. <laughs> I know he his whole. I mean, he's a very talented. Oh no, player, he is. But he flails yeah. and throws body parts around in an attempt to get to the free throw line and wants every I, single whistle. I, and I just cannot stand that in basketball play. You know that it's not just son, the Suns when they do it; it's anybody when they do that. It drives me nuts. Luca's the same way. Embiid is the same way. But Embiid threw a, uh, through his physical play. He nearly fouled out both the Sun centers, yes. and he got to the line 16 times through physical play and whining and selling fouls. He did what he had to do to get to the free throw line. And Da is, I mean, it's like you said, the kid gloves are off. You got, big games like that, especially when Chris Paul hurts himself, you've got to be accountable. There's you've got a, to stand up. And another thing that's concerning me about Da early again, 10 games in. He uh, one of the things I thought he was great at was avoiding foul trouble. He has not avoided foul trouble yeah. at all. He's averaging four fouls per game. Mm-hmm. He's been in foul trouble a lot. By the way, um, sixteen free throws last night for Joel Embiid. DeAndre Ayton this season has shot seventeen. That's a good. Indi- he's never going to yeah. be that guy that gets to the line no. like we thought he was going to be coming into the league. He's not had a game where he shot more than four free throws all season long. But man, last night going up against yeah. a premier center, you thought you think that that would turn up his juice a yes. little. He wasn't alone. It was a flat effort. Monty yeah. talked about having no energy after the game. Devin Booker's fourth quarter was weird. He yeah, played all twelve minutes and played forty three minutes in a game that never looked really winnable for the Suns. It didn't score and shot yeah. one. It was right. just a weird, it, weird. The game. whole thing, yeah, the whole thing was weird. That was a that was a tough defensive matchup for Devin Booker. There's a yes. handful of guys that give him some issues. Yes. Um. So look, look, although he was very aggressive. Yeah. Right. Right. For I, most of the game, exactly. So I I think that I'm with you on everything you said. That's exactly the way I saw the basketball game last night. And and you hope it's it doesn't portend. It's it's not like a portent of uh, of incoming issues. You hope it's just one of those nights on the road. You get off, you're flat. Mm-hmm. But now you go to Minnesota to pl- take uh, you know take on a team that you beat that's going to want to prove something. They yeah. struggled a little bit. They're they've, on their home floor. They, they've got some issues themselves. Anthony Edwards is so disengaged from that offense. I don't know whether that's what he, happens with him right now at this point of his career. One night he'll go off for forty. One night he'll have three. But it's he's not even trying. Yeah, it's like he. It's such Weird. a badly put together team, Minnesota. Yeah, it really a lot is. of good individual players well, that don't fit together. Yeah, yeah. It's Anthony Edwards. Uh, the last time the Suns played, I think you brought up that that stat that he had zero dunks on the season mm-hmm. at that point. He finally time. has a couple. He now. finally has a couple, and people just couldn't wrap their heads around that. And he just basically said, "I the, the lane is clogged. I can't get anywhere near the basket." Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know what to do. So he's standing on the perimeter with his hands on his hips. Translation: We traded for Rudy Gobert. 
<laughs> yeah. Which 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 everyone like, oh, okay, that, oh, yeah, really good defensive bat. Something. Yeah. No, uh, stuff although, like that doesn't always make sense. I believe Go Bears in his his yearly health and safety protocols. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and he, listen, that game Rudy Go Gobert threw up against the Suns the first time they played. I mean, hey, he threw up. I didn't he, see that. Well, that's <laughs> metaphorically, he, did. In the he could he, he could not he could not catch a pass in the lane to save his life. No. He couldn't. Yuck. What a free bad throws, move that though. is. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620. Right now, coming up next, a very curious coaching decision in the NFL. We'll get into that and more hash marks next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. He has tons of experience. He knows this game inside and out um, with relationships with coaches and players um, uh, and has been a consultant for us for several years, a paid consultant, um, you know, uh, informing Chris and I and other people in the organization, you know, his opinions. Uh, so to me, um, uh, you know, I, I know people can, you know, look out and, and, and see it uh, and, and ask that question. But, um, you know, the, you know that, that doesn't surprise me. I understand. Look, at, I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team because I've been around for 52 years. Mine doesn't mean anything. What the hell was that last quote? I have no idea. Talk about just, I mean, if I expected somebody to veer towards sausage in a 44-second quote, it would be you, Jared. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you're probably thinking about sausage at this I point I used to eat spaghetti and Italian sausage probably three or four times a week. Yeah. In college. <laughs> this this move by the Indianapolis Colts, in case you don't know, they fired Frank Reich. Uh, the Colts have been one of the big disappointments. They went out and got Matt Ryan. They've already benched him. Jeff Saturday, who as of yesterday was still sitting on a set at ESPN, was supposed to be on SportsCenter and all the shows today. He's the new interim yeah. coach. Uh, he had been a paid consultant, as you heard Jim Ursay say. But he talks about having tons of experience. He's been around the game forever. But then in the same press conference, Jim Ursay says this about the experience factor. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. He doesn't have that, that fear, and there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available. That's a fascinating observation, that his coaching staff was I mean, plagued by fear. That's an indictment of Frank Reich. Oh, I mean, it sure I, is. I would be afraid, too, if I was Frank Reich and it was mandated upon me that I had to play Sam Ellinger at quarterback in NFL games the rest of the season. That's a pretty scary proposition. Yeah, it is. And by the way, that's, that's not changing. Point. Jeff Saturday is sticking with Sam Ellinger. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, listen, I, I do think, though, I, I think that it, this this resonated with Cardinals fans because for what for whatever you think of who um, Jim Irsay appointed as his interim head coach, it was about th this group is failing me. I don't want this group anymore. This group is not upholding the standard I want. And, and that's what's exactly not happening here. The Colts have a better record than the Cardinals. Yeah. Yes, they do. And, and they're very disappointing. They they thought they had the pieces to really be a Super Bowl contender. A lot yes. of people, including myself, agreed. Uh -huh. And so, that, so the coach is, is paying a price, which is generally what happens in a place that actually has standards and expectations. 
Um, now, there's the other issue is the choice. And the choice, yeah, you can get all worked up over it, um, it, it, it for a lot of different reasons. Because this is, this is kind of like the Cliff Kingsbury thing where you hire a guy out of a booth or you hire the guy out of left field when you've got people on your staff, people of color on your staff. Reggie Wayne is on that staff, yes. and he's been in that organization a long time. Very and inexperienced yeah, coach, a, however. Only one right. year of NFL experience and, and, as a coach. And clearly the NFL has got issues with this again, and, and they're going to really have to look at how do you how do you effectively give a, a real legitimate lane to minorities to jobs that have just been gobbled up historically by the good old boy network. Yeah. And, but I would say this, the interim coach, there's a reason why you don't have to go through restrictions. There's a reason why the Rooney rule does not apply. It's generally, you you fire a coach, it means you are in a state of distress. And, and you don't, in, in times of distress, you need to be bold and quick and, and authoritative and, and you don't have time to do an exhaustive interview search. Okay. So if this job after the season opens up, up and then and Reggie Wayne and other minority candidates don't get a look, then you got an issue. I don't have that much of an issue as an interim coach. I, I think owners can pretty much do whatever they want to, to fit the moment because you're looking for a short-term gain with your interim coach. Yes. Right? But, but I, I mean, there's, that's one way to look at it. Maybe an infusion of immediate energy. To me, in the NFL more than any other sport, and people are, are you know, kind of drawing the parallel. Look what the Philadelphia Phillies did. They fired Joe Girardi. Rob Thompson comes in, leads them to the World Series. That's not as possible in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They've already played nine games. It's only a 17-game season. They're not turning this thing around. When you fire an NFL coach in the midst of a season, historically that tells you we're on fire and we're just going we're, we're gonna to throw stuff at the wall. Mm-hmm. So maybe that makes this make more sense. Mm-hmm. We would never hire Jeff Saturday to start a season, but let's see what we got. We, we're, we're playing yeah, with time that's, here. Right, that's what Maybe I'm saying. Maybe he's cut out for this. That's what I'm saying. This is uh, Interim coach is not a bad time to try the wacky, outside-the-box approach, With even if you get ridiculed by it and for it, which Jim Mercer was dealing with some of that yesterday yep. because, because of that. Because once the season ends, you're going to have to go through protocol yeah. to hire your next head coach. That's true. Jeff Saturday himself said, uh, yeah, I was a little bit shocked by this. Shock would be an understatement, right? Shock would be an understatement. So, uh, yeah, we, we had the conversation, and it, it escalated quickly. I feel fully capable, excited about the opportunity. My eight games to, you know, listen, here's a great part about my career. I came in, nobody expected anything. I'm here, nobody expects anything. If it goes well, hopefully it'll go extremely well. But I have no... Uh, preconceived notion that I'm going to be some spectacular anything. I know I got to work hard, and uh, I'm you know I'm auditioning not only for this one but for for 31 others just like everybody else in this game. Yeah, Jeff Saturday not the only one surprised. So was his former quarterback Peyton Manning. Well, Susie, I was surprised. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I learned it from Adam Schefter. I think Adam Schefter knows if you're getting cut before you know you're getting cut. He's the one that told me the Colts had let me go. So uh, I'm surprised. I talked to Jeff. Look, it's a big challenge. Jeff's made of the right stuff. He was the ultimate teammate. He was, my locker was right next to him. He's a high-character guy. He's a great leader. So, uh, 
he's going to have to rely on these players to kind of get him comfortable and try to just get a win there in Indianapolis. A win can kind of solve a lot of things, so hopefully he can get in there and help the Colts get turned around. I'm disappointed about Frank Wright. Frank's one of my good friends, one of my coaches, so it's a sad day for coaching as well, but I'm happy for Jeff and this opportunity. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting, too, that in his role as analyst, Jeff Saturday on October 30th just tweeted three words. Raiders look horrible. Yeah, I know about Guess that. Guess he plays in his first game. I, w- I wonder if Jim Irsay called Peyton Manning. Said, hey, man, you want to give this a shot? <laughs> and Peyton was like, uh, hell no. no. <laughs> yeah. So That's the other thing is yeah. that Jeff Saturday with a, with a good gig as a paid analyst on ESPN and a paid analyst for the Colts. That he's willing to, to go down this road right. because it, it's probably not going to work. Well, maybe it's the Herm Edwards setup where they say, we've got a job for you seat, whenever you want to come seat back. Seat is warm. Yeah, go test it out. See if you like it. If not, it literally we'll doesn't matter what you do as a coach. Not at all. We Set will the program you on bad. fire so as and opposed, come back. But the difference is, as opposed to ASU being willing to just punt on five years of their football program, the Colts are willing to invest eight weeks. Yeah. You get eight games just <laughs> well, said. well said. Coming up next, uh, more on the Arizona Cardinals, including what is going on with this offense? That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on this Tuesday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.